Alright, welcome back to An Evening with Nate. I'm Nathan, your host. And first and foremost, I would like to apologize in advance if uh, the audio is not as clear as it usually is at the time of recording. There's a, there's a big rain happening just outside, and I think that my, um, my limited audio... Um, my limited audio microphone sort of picks up the sound of of the rain falling just outside. So this is officially the third episode. We just had our bonus episode and now we're on our third episode uh, of the podcast. And we're still going with the theme of stories. And um, we discussed a lot about fiction on episode two. We discussed a lot about, you know, why we like fiction, why we create fiction, and and all that, all about stories, and all about the imagination within our head. Now, I'm not saying that I'm completely closing uh, the discussion on that topic just yet, but the focus for today's episode will be about the world of non-fiction. It will be about us, about our history. So um, today's title will be History is a Story, and it's our story. Um, Now, there is a lot that we don't know about history, and I'm not saying this collectively as the human race. I'm also saying this individually. There is a lot that we don't know about history, even if you're a total history nerd, if you're a total history geek, if you're a total history fan, if you've spent your afternoons, you know, reading encyclopedias, opening Wikipedia and all that, because, you know, I I love history myself. I wouldn't call myself, you know, a history nut. I don't know that much, but I do enjoy reading about history myself. But what we often don't realize is that a lot of the history that we study um, are very much specific to where we are geographically, to just how much of it we can reach. If, if you're an American, it's very likely that a lot of the history that you learn about and you know about is American history. If you're Indonesian like me, you will learn a lot about Indonesia, uh, how it how it went for its people um, during the era of colonization, about kingdoms prior to the arrival of Western colonists, um, slavery, and all that. And you know, if, if you're born in Europe, you might be more well versed in European history and all that. And I'm not saying that it's impossible for someone you know to have a universal scope and knowledge of history because um, facts are I'm sure that a lot of the people now know about global history with the help of you know YouTube channels talking about history in a very uh, in a very casual in a very uh, well put together way one of them is perhaps uh, Bill Wirt's history of the entire world which was an amazing video and surprisingly accurate. But still, there are boundaries 
um, that at the very least would require us to make extra effort in order to learn about the history of a certain place or in order to learn of a certain event. And there are other aspects of history that um, even though we're not that interested in it, we'll find it eventually you know, shoved onto our throats through the educational system and whatnot because they're usually very relevant to the regional uh, state and the, and, and the regional uh, events happening around. Okay, I hope you got that point. Basically, there's so much that we haven't learned, there's so much that we haven't studied as individuals. And as an individual trying to start and learn about history, it's very hard as well because history is an ocean. And the same way that the ocean is today, to humans today, so is history. We know it's there. Okay, we know it's there. Everyone has had contact with it at some point. Everyone's dipped their toes in it at some point, but no one can really get to know it. We're, we're already very much oblivious and clueless about a lot of the history, um, even after the discovery of writing, even after uh, the human race had become literate. There is still a lot that we don't know. There are still questions in, in a lot of people's minds about different places and different times throughout history. Imagine the extent of how clueless we are of, of how it was before the invention of, of written word, writing, documentation, and all that. So, history does not only cover all of the time of the past. You have to remember it covers all of the space of the past. We are limited and we live in the dimensions of time and space. And history exists within those two parameters as well. And it's infinitely uh, increasing in space, increasing in time as well. There is a lot of events and moments in time that we are not aware of, and there are a lot of places in history that we are yet to locate or even verify whether they are actual places or only, uh, you know, old wives' tale, if they're only myths, if they're only stories. There are records of places that had existed and are no longer existing today. Some are considered myths and some are considered um, factually there. For example, I don't know, the, the Library of Alexandria that was burnt down, but the, the world sort of universally acknowledges that it really truly did exist and that it was as majestic and as, as great as it was. Um, another aspect of, of space that I would like to discuss is just how big the world is and how little of it you've, uh, you've actually seen and visited. Now, this isn't, this isn't supposed to come across as a new point. This isn't supposed 
to to come across as you know something that's supposed to blow your mind away this is actually a very basic point that even children know you know um ironically the children's song says it's a small world after all but the world is indeed a big place now if you think you know the area uh, you live in your your city your town your village but just how how well do you know it? You can live the entire 80 years on Earth and you would not guarantee to me that you have visited you know every alleyway, every underground uh, every underground place, every uh, hidden, street corner, street end in your city, much less the entire world. And with space comes everything that goes along with it. People, people making decisions, people making events, people passing down their knowledge, people and their cultures. There is just too many that we don't know about. And we will never probably know about. It is very likely that you and I will pass without knowing, you know, a secret or two about the very house that we're living in, that we're living in, about the very street that we're living in, about homicides or or other notable events that we just didn't get to hear about and all that the world is a big place and sometimes we forget just how big it is we don't know history another reason I guess why we wouldn't know history as well as we would is because if you take a look at history as something objective as a completely objective uh, entity the sum of everything that has ever existed to up to this moment that objective history it, it does not exist the history that we've come to know today is as they say written by its victors written by the victors now I am not accusing uh, and nor am I uh, suggesting that all of the history that we've come to learn is false. That is far from what I'm trying to say. On the contrary, um, I believe that despite the biases within the retelling of history, at this point in time, uh, with, with all the technological progress and progress in the study of history, we're actually close to finding out, you know, the subtle truths within history that as children, we perhaps were not knowledgeable about. It is now um, starting to become a widespread trend to be more uh, knowledgeable about history and to go against the the historical um, stereotypes or trends that, that are false and often glorified by by the media and certain groups and certain entities. 
Um, one of the, the things that, um, that are very interesting to me is that in the past few years, um, at least growing up, um, something very basic, but the public, I believe, are starting to be more aware of one false historical fact, um, which can be seen by how a lot of movies or, or a lot of illustrations used to depict Vikings uh, wearing horned, uh, horned helmets. It's amazing how such a small detail like that can, can be something that people are starting to notice as false. There is a rising, there is a rising increase of awareness, I guess, of people. Having said that, having said that and acknowledging that we are getting closer and closer to more objectively learn about history, you cannot deny that history, whether it's very recent history or very old history, there is a lot of factors within it that the the documents pertaining to it are either um, unrealistic about, very much ambiguous about, much worse if the documents fail to mention uh, it at all, but another document does, if there are um, if there are contradictions within historical passages about those things, it really is um, it's really surreal just how much we don't know about what we know. And that is why In all honesty, I believe that there's a lot that we don't know about how things have went, about our history. Things that die with the memory, things that die along with the people who witnessed it. And it's pretty sad, but that's the way it is. And, you know, I wanted to say that at at this point, modern age and time, it's it's supposed to be unlikely that our documented history, you know, would ever be as skewed as the documented history of the past, because now we have the internet, now we have social media, now we have pictures everywhere, we have comprehensive uh, storage of information, data, and all that, uh, and yet, lo and behold, you know, we're entering an age where the most popular thing online are, are hoaxes and you don't know what to trust or who to trust. The big media corporations are often untruthful in their reporting, very much exaggerative, uh, trying to get the click money, trying to get that subscription money, and uh, information is just as unreal unreliable today with our with our phones and tablets as it was at the time where they literally used uh, stone tablets um but then again i don't want this uh podcast to talk about how we don't know what we're talking about that would be very much sad so let's discuss on why we know the little bits of history that we know Why do we remember certain events? Why has history remembered certain 
events more than other events and how do we keep remembering these things well first i guess it is easy to remember an event with catastrophic consequences and global influence i'm talking of course about both of the world wars um, and there in, in recent history as well, we had at that point in time discovered, you know, photography, journalism, uh, videography as well. So, oh, that correlates with my second point, which is that um, humans have a way of jotting things down. Humans have a way of recording things. And it has been that way for quite a long time. But the difference, I guess, is as the 20th century rolled by, now we had the opportunity to record more than words, but we could record audio. We can transcribe those audio. Uh, we, can have, we can have photographs. And we can have videos. There are more ways to document it now. Um, so we talked about impact, and we talked about uh, how it is documented. Another reason is through education. There are certain events within history that educators and the world of academia uh, believe to be important. And thus, these things are constantly taught about and reviewed and learned about. Uh, perhaps the... Cyrus Cylinder, one of the, the first, um, I don't know, laws, transcripts, about, about one of the first records of, of, of laws. You have the Magna Carta, all that. These things are significant historically, but also in the realm of, of, of the studies that involve them. And thus, they are constantly reviewed as an Indonesian. The struggle for independence is something significant nationally. And in order to defend and to grow that nationalism, to, to, to maintain it, students from an early age are taught about uh, how it was back then and our efforts to achieve this independence and never to take it for granted. And I believe that education in that aspect is not brainwashing at all. It's actually something very positive because you appreciate the, the fights of our forefathers. But again, um, some events are more universally remembered than others, not only through medium, not only through education, because education is something very regional, very country-based. Um, and not purely through just the method of documentation, whether it's written, whether it's a photograph, whether it's video, but it's who. Who takes those documentations? Who writes the details down? Who writes the stories down? And the events that we remember throughout history are events that are written by either A, credible sources, or B, dominant sources. Credible sources, of course, include uh, historians or excerpts from people who are around and involved with said historical events. And how about the dominant people? 
well, this is what I mean by by the victors or, or whatever uh, prevailing country of the era was, because when there is a country with such dominance, usually events are centered around that country and centered around its language, which is perhaps why there are lots of of, of records and texts in Greek and Latin, and why. Despite its extinction, Latin is still a very important language in the uh, in the eyes of academicians worldwide. Now, an interesting point that was mentioned by John Green in his Crash Course channel is that history is so much more than just war, and I do agree. It is false to to imagine that that all that we can define history with is just a series of war remember uh, you know moving on from one war to the other so why is it that that movies would always choose to display war and their historical fiction and their depictions of you know great people throughout history well it's because you know, war is a pretty prevalent thing in the past, and it still is today. Uh, it's undeniable that, you know, action sells. And a lot of the the greatest things about history, the greatest discoveries, the breakthroughs in, in you know, in architecture, medical science, how it slowly morphed into what it is today, um, philosophy and all that, those are actually the foundations of history and you know for some reason it's it's not as celebrated um, in the mainstream you know historical fiction filmmaking industry I will appreciate though that there have been lots of changes towards that recently uh, including that uh, Aaron Alan, Alan Turing biopic played by uh, Benedict Cumberbatch I'm sorry I do not recall the exact title at this moment. Uh, the discovery of the first computer and how it broke the Enigma cipher. You know, it's it's not purely. It's it it was a movie about historical discoveries that just happened to to occur at the time of war, but it was very very far removed from what uh, you know a war movie was. Um. And you know, history is so much more than that. You know, as an as a as an enthusiast of several forms of art and uh, so many forms of entertainment, we often forget that you know along the way in history there have been hundreds of plays and books, and then musical compositions that are just you know flat out amazing. They're just flat out phenomenal, and. They're just, you know, it, it's not about, it's not about the war. It's not about the war. It's not about the, the boom boom and the, and the, and the guns blazing and the, and the swords slashing. It's, it's far from that. And that is why I quite enjoyed Bilbert's video on history of the entire world. Because it shows, it shows uh, the great innovations of our time. And, and the troubles of our times that goes beyond war. We, we had, 
illustrious um, pictures, art, and drawing. We had comprehensive trade routes all over the world, and um, we also we also had the plague, and um, a lot of the ups and downs of history were 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 caused by things other than that of war. It is just that war uh, has become very much, I don't know, idolized to where it is today, for reasons unknown to me, and, you know, having the understanding that it's cool ever since you're young, it sort of sticks with you. Even today, you know, no matter how anti-war you might be, you know, you watch a good action movie and there's that little part of you that goes, you know, wow, that's, a, that's some cool stuff. Mm. But then again, we're not only remembering events, history remembers people. History remembers people. Why do we remember people? Who are the remembered well, they're usually people who A. Does something really, really good. B. Does something really, really bad. Or C. Creates. And that's how simple uh, it is. History remembers those who, who gave great sacrifices for the greater good remembers those who stood against tyranny and history also remembers those who stood at the helm of uh, cruel empires those who challenged death multiple times those who brought millions to their deaths and all that and history remembers the creators the creators who, who were there along the way they had their beliefs, but they, you know, you can argue that they were good or bad. And even if they were good or bad, you know, I, I tend to separate the art from the artist. There are conquerors, there are heroes, and there are artists. So what is greatness? Who among these who are remembered deserve the title of greatness. Well, let's go to the man who earned the title and then is one of the greatest recorded humans in history, Alexander the Great. Some might call him, you know, Iskandar or whatever. Alexander the Great. He was uh, he was involved in a lot in a lot of wars and he had never lost he died for unknown reasons at a, at a young age, in his 30s, if I'm not mistaken. But he would be remembered as Alexander the Great because of his exploits, um, starting from his small state of Macedonia and how he managed to push onwards, making the small city-state into one of, if not the largest empire, to have ever been recorded 
it's actually quite something and it's 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 rather amazing but is it is it just because he led this great army well i don't think so he had charisma he had a personality there was there was some myth around him a legend around him even the stories about him and his horse Bucephalus was was you know it was amazing it came it felt like it came straight out of a comic book not to mention the great philosopher Aristotle this guy Alexander the Great was taught by one of the great philosophers uh, of the time and of all time so he had everything he needed to pursue everything else he needed and he did it he achieved all there was to achieve and he did not lose he did not lose once and i think the fact that he didn't lose added to it so who are the great the greats of history who are they i believe they must be people with distinct personalities they are like the average joe not that there's anything wrong in being average but these particular people no they're different and sometimes different isn't always a good thing being the black sheep of a family is different and it must be miserable but these people were different and i'm not only talking about you know war generals or kings spearmen archers and swordsmen no i'm talking about poets i'm talking about authors i'm talking about philosophers i'm talking about composers these people were different and they were different for different reasons some physically some through a state of mind some through insanity some through faith and some through a lack of faith these were people who were different from the rest one Secondly, these were people who had a wide range of influence, whether it's during their lives or after their lives. There are cases when an artist's success comes after his or her death, and it's very unfortunate. It is quite tragic, but it is the way it is. The scope, the range of influence is another aspect of greatness and the final one in correlation to Alexander the Great is consistency so to be great you have to be different and you had to have a large influence you had to you know a lot of people knows you for what you are and what you do and finally consistency to be great you have to have consistency in your greatness and i think a lot of the people that we 
we looked up to as legends to this day were consistent. Even Julius Caesar, to his death, was a complete ass. Um, he was him. He remained who he was. And he met his untimely death, but everyone knew he was going to get stabbed to death at some point or the other. Winston Churchill, iconically, never surrendered. And there are still lots that I can mention. A final point, I guess, in this part is that throughout history, art perseveres. You know, all that damage, all that death, and we still get uh, all the beautiful art that we see today, especially after the Renaissance. Um, And history through art. How, how it expresses how art itself should be, I guess, beautiful with that context, but once given a certain context, it can create its own. It, it creates its own context and it adds its own beauty and its own worth. Um, you know, paintings are universal and they're supposed to be this immortal thing, but I think it adds the beauty to know that a certain painting was, was written was was uh, painted was made in response to a certain event in time and how how the paintings itself correlate to the events in time like how the uh, Mona Lisa made by Italian uh, painter um, and complete genius Leonardo da Vinci um, now resides in the Louvre in in in, in France you can Google that for yourself on why it is so. A good friend of mine from Italy, uh, Nicola, explained it to me, and it it was quite an interesting explanation and a and a great crash course lesson in history. So we've we've learned all of these things about you know the events and the people in history, but what about today? And what about stories? All these stories of the past, all these stories of history. We already know who's famous. We already know why they're famous. And most importantly, and most tragically, we already know that we don't know enough. So what then can we do today? And what has history as its whole, as its, as it, own thing what is it like today in the eyes of people well I think this is the age of nostalgia this is the age of appreciating history we are appreciating it more now than than we are used to uh, we can see that the resurgence of older styles in, in fashion um, in music in cinema There is a greater appreciation of the past because, and I'm not saying this on behalf of you, I'm just saying this is personal opinion, because humans are getting more and more unsure of the future, and we're getting more and more divided by so many things, beliefs, politics, uh, eating habits, and and stuff like that. So our today, we uh, we live in the most globalized 
society we've ever had. You know, and to these days would be very much interesting, I guess, in history books, you know, 50, 100 years from now. I would love to to, to read what it's like to them in their eyes and in, in the eyes of the historians of the future because these truly are bizarre bizarre times it's it's like a fever dream and i think we notice that we notice that because stories stories have changed how stories are we're you know we rarely go to we rarely return to the realm of fairy tales and and myths and all that and then the fiction that we're telling now is most of the time um, either, you know, drama and in discussion of today's state, you know, or stories today working as a critique towards a certain political group or belief, or as a reimagination of the future, hence the, the recent of a dystopia fever among literature books just a few years ago. The stories have changed because the times have changed. The stories of the past, the fiction of the past, was influenced by the events of the past, by the nature and the, the entire sort of societal trends of the past and now with all these clashing beliefs stories are bolder they try to take more specific stances and they you know lots of them they stand for something they work as a warning for something the same way that the stories of the past have. It's just that the struggles we're facing today are very much different. So, you know, the, the Hunger Games and the Boy Who Cried Wolf, you know, they're all trying to address a problem that was present at the time when this story was told. And Hunger Games dealt with you know, discrimination, segregation, um, the imperialism, totalitarianism, uh, human rights, and all that. And the Boy Who Cried Wolf was a simple story about lying, about honesty. And we still haven't fixed that problem yet, haven't we? Stories have changed because the issues that we face have changed but at the core of it at the core of it the problems that lie behind the issues have stayed the same the weaknesses of humankind will continue to be the weaknesses of humankind the way the greatness the charity the warmth and the love of humankind will always find a way to shine through even in the darkest of times today or in the future. With that serious stuff out of the way, another unique part of this this past decade and these times history is the world of internet 
internet culture, and more specifically, meme culture. And meme culture has become something very much interesting and, um, well, it's, it's not niche, but I guess it's something quite specific. Uh, it feels like a movement, and, and people are, are joining into it. They feel like they're, they're in this big group of people. And this is perhaps the most hilarious generation on how it responds to worldwide crisis, worldwide events. Um, a generation of humor, whether or not the humor is dark, of course, is you know to everyone's interpretation. This truly is the generation of humor, you know, self-deprecation and all that dark humor, that meme culture, you know, a generation of memes. At the time of the recording, at the time of the recording, which is the seventh of January, two thousand and twenty. Uh, there were lots of talks and buzz about rising tensions between the United States of America and and Iran. Um, yeah, and the and the memes were just flooding the social media channels. People making these you know these images, whether they're ironic or unironic, joking about the possibility of World War Three. Because we have this. This overflow of information, terabytes of, you know, humorous pictures. I am very much curious to see how future historians will uh, respond and react to the great amount of data we have here and now today, uh, and all the memes. It's just hilarious. You know, what if I don't know, 50, 60 years from now, they're trying to learn about the behavior of the people from from this time, you know, 100, 200 years from now, if the internet still exists, if the internet still ex- exists, and they manage to, to unlock Instagram's archives, Reddit's a server somehow, you know, they'll see all these memes and how they correlate to the current events of the time and just how ridiculous it is that under the threat of a real worldwide crisis, people are uploading these uh, ironically funny pictures online. But memes will, will always be here, I guess, and they will be for a long time. For as long as we have the internet, and for as long as people can afford to buy and or pirate Adobe Photoshop, we will have an unending supply of memes, and memes are a very interesting phenomenon. I might, I might take the time to discuss them, but again, in later episodes. So, uh, having mentioned memes and their self-deprecating nature at times, it's time for me to ask a question. Will you, again, will you be forgotten? Will you be forgotten by history? Will children 50, 100 years from now know your name? The answer is you'd probably be forgotten, and children will probably not know your name. It's a very rare privilege. And if you think that it shouldn't be that hard to be historically remembered, you should, you know, try and list down all the American presidents there are. 
Uh, I couldn't. You know, I'm not American, but I, I, I could list more than like six or seven. There's been like 40 of them. So it's not enough. It's not enough to be the president of the one of the greatest, largest countries in the world. So are you planning on being the next great one in history? How are you going to do it? It's, it's very much unlikely, you know. Someday someone will think of you for the very last time. Then you will be gone in uh, the void of time. And if you believe in the afterlife, you'll be there, but you won't be remembered here. At some point, you know, someone will say your name for the last time. And that's it. You know, snap. So you'd probably be forgotten, but that doesn't mean that we shouldn't try and leave a legacy. This podcast is one of them, you know. I planned on making this because I thought, you know, 20, 30 years from now, it'll be very funny. But, you know, if, if we're gonna go the way we're going and the world will not face its next mass war and in a hundred years we'll still have, you know, Spotify and the internet, then I don't see why not if my great-great-great-grandkids have a chance of listening to this. It's it's not exactly far-fetched as far as my imagination goes. It'd probably be forgotten, and it's no problem, because those who know our stories will tell it, hopefully, with glee in their hearts. Those who know and those who remember of the times that we spent with them and made them laugh, they will laugh and smile when they talk about us, even if it's the last time. So why do I bother talking so much about history and the present and even memes? It's because I want you to think on why stories mean so much to you and just how much the stories within history has affected you as a person, as someone with personal views on what is right and what is wrong, as someone who has views on what a country should do, what a country should not do, as someone who has a personal view on, you know, what decision to make at which time. And I'm sure it must be very helpful if you would learn that all these stories, all these stories are based on people making decisions. And the decisions are not to be made for granted. Those who are given a position of power should do their utmost best, and those who are not should still do their utmost best. Your life is part of a big story, but it in itself is a big story with its micro-components, and you don't get to erase and restart your page. So please, take a moment Let it sink in. Remember the moments and the stories that you enjoyed as a child about your grandpa or your grandma 
or their grandpas and their grandmas. And think for yourself, how would it sound like if your descendants were going to be talking about you? Now, I'm not a motivator, and this is a podcast discussing hobbies, you know, discussing about stories. But I suppose if you're a story and you're part of a story, better make it a good one because you got one shot. Mm, I don't mean to make this as lengthy as it is, and I certainly do not mean to sound pretentious in any way. You know, I'm not very much knowledgeable about these things, but I do have to. Uh, take the moment, you know, sit down and talk and talk about things that I'm interested in, things that I'm passionate about and I'm hoping that at least someone who takes the time to watch these, at least one person for every episode could, you know, have a shift in perspective. You know, I never looked at it that way before and those kinds of things are very much interesting to me. And if you'd like to shift my perspective, I'm very much open to it. Please add my social media. My Instagram is... Okay, I'll give you a chance to grab your pen and paper. Um, it's at... That is at... Nathan... Underscore... Theo... T-H-E-O... 4501 Let me repeat. Nathan underscore Theo 4501 that is my Instagram and I am quite active there and I'll be sharing a lot of information about these podcasts um, that being said I guess it's time to close up we talked about a history today we talked about how it is our story we talked about how we don't know a lot about history Uh, how some events we remember and some we don't, some people we remember and some we don't, about art and history, history and art, about how stories have changed for us, about meme culture and the future of memes, and we ended on a note that you will probably be very much forgotten. So on that cheerful note, I am ending this episode of An Evening with Nate. The next bonus episode will be a Q&A, and we will be back on the fourth episode later on. Thank you, and see you soon.